Okay. Hello, this is Matt Hale with Art Monthly on Resonance 104.4 FM. It's a program based on the current issue of Art Monthly, which is issue 342, December, January 2010-11. And it's actually the second program from that issue. The first program dealt with a feature by Sophia Fokker about filming, and was called Filming the Alternative. That was one of the parts. Now, the second program, this one, we're also talking about film, but this is a piece by Maria Walsh, a feature called Believable Fictions. But we're also talking about the British art show. Now, um, Zoe Shearman joins us today for the first time as well. So that's Maria Walsh and Zoe Shearman. And Zoe's written a review of the British art show, which is still touring Britain at the moment. Yes, it's touring all of this year and goes to London, Glasgow yes. and Plymouth. Yes. Now, we're going to begin with the feature on the film, um, for no good reason particularly, but um, Maria, without being too long-winded about it, because it's quite complicated, for me, I mean, being too long-winded, that is, um, you, talk, you start by mentioning this Brechtian um, impetus or Brechtian effect that some filmmakers, artists, filmmakers particularly, are prone to or have been prone to, um, and then you come on to saying that perhaps um, that it's now time for them to move on. But that's a very gross simplification. Tell me more about what actually you even mean by the Brechtian approach, please. Um, well, in the article, because uh, you know it's it's limited in so far as what one can say. Um, I was just using Brechtian to very gen actually even though Brecht is a specific you know play uh, playwright and theoretician of theater I was just sort of um, loosely really using his name if you like to refer to this idea of um, foregrounding um, formal structures within a medium um, and then particularly uh, I mean Brecht's work was taken up very much in film practice and film theory um, in the 70s, in yes. the kind of, if you like, the heyday of the kind of structuralist film. Um, and artists who, who have worked then in, in um, film and video uh, have been influenced by these kinds of discourses. And particularly also then coming out of art itself, I think there's the influence of conceptualism. Um, and combining these two together, there was this kind of like urgent impetus or this almost like a, a moral um, impetus, really, to kind of foreground the uh, structures of the medium, to um, disenchant the audience uh, of, you know, that or, or highlight the fact that this is an illusion, um, that it's, you know, the, uh, yeah. You mean as you the watch, it, as you're watching medium. it, you're aware of the mechanics. Yeah, and that you, the idea in the seventies was that uh, you were, the idea was that um, the viewer, it, it was linked to social, um, political ideas about uh, change in society. So that the idea was almost like educational in one sense that the viewer would come to some kind of uh, consciousness of. Um, of uh, the kind of structures in which we're all embedded as social agents, which normally, I mean, to get about, to go about our everyday lives, we're not thinking all the time about how these structures are, um, you know, interpolating us and right. um, things like that. And, you know, how the media are manipulating us and this kind of thing. So it was to kind of foreground these kinds of ideas. And then, um, you know, formal... Uh, ideas were more paramount than narrative. I mean, narrative 
even though it's complex, I mean, there isn't just one way of looking at narrative as either good or bad, but generally speaking, um, the certainly the Hollywood narrative, um, and that was taken quite generally in the 70s, that was seen as, as, as being part of this kind of uh, almost like a social conspiracy, uh, giving us false illusions and ideas about um, how we should live happy endings and things like that. And then we get to something, something like the late 90s or the 90s, and then and there are people like you mentioned Isaac Julian. What, what was he doing? Well, I think Isaac, Isaac Julian, um, in the article, I just quote him, really, but because uh, I think he's, he's always had a, a sort of an interesting position in uh, the British art scene as being kind of both inside and outside of um, both the art world and cinema and experimental film. Um, so... Having that interesting position, I think, means that um, his work, I mean, it was experimental film, and he did use those kinds of Brechtian, uh, loosely, uh, I'm loosely referring to this Brechtian term. Uh, He did use those kinds of structures, but um, his work had different kinds of agendas, and um, he was one of, say, the artists, and I mean, there are filmmakers um, at that time who was interested in uh, experimental narratives um, that weren't just about uh, critiquing um, social structures, but also putting forward um, potential and possibility for um, imaginary and uh, and illusionistic identifications that different audiences might have with characters. Um, so, I mean, I haven't really written about, I haven't written at all about his work, no. but I found it interesting that in this, because um, it was a sight and sound interview, it, the magazine Sight and Sound, and it was from 1999, I just found it really telling that he very strongly says that, um, and perhaps I'll just refer to this quote um, yeah, just at the end of it, where he talk, he's talking, he's referring to the um, proliferation of moving image uh, work in the gallery um, in the late 1990s, or in the 1990s, and he, he refers to Stan Douglas and just says that... Um, you know, that he, Stan Douglas, unlike a lot of these other artists, he seems to be interested in uh, making work that has cinematic interest, but that in a show that um, some of his work, um, he's concerned with something more old-fashioned and Brechtian, uh, with changing the rules of representation for its own sake. And um, Isaac Julian in the interview does go on to say that how, um, well, you know, that he felt that uh, his work um, wanted to move on from that kind of thing. Um, and I just found that very useful as a way into um, my feeling that um, most, a lot of uh, reviews or articles that one reads, and I've done this myself, um, you know, it's it's so easy to find Brecht written uh, down as a kind of, oh, you know, we've got to deconstruct the um, framing, the staging, um, the, and then because the gallery is a different kind of context and different kinds of spectatorship. Um, and I just think, well, hang on, maybe there's, you know, can we not, it, maybe something else is being done and can we not talk about these things in a different way? And what about the pleasures of, uh, of cinematic illusion, yeah. which I'm very interested in? But do you think, Maria, that this also... This is Zoe, sorry, Zoe <laughs> 
Do you think that also um, this shift that you chart in your article from this kind of Brechtian approach, so which could be understood also as shocking people out of their sort of passivity in, w in watching film mm -hmm. and also encouraging them to have a kind of very self-reflexive detachment on, on what they're observing and to question their role, you know, their, their own relationship to it. Um, do you think that this sort of shift that you're charting towards artists creating believable fictions now, and you talk about particular artists, Sahito style talking about this, that p these artists who are using docudrama and fiction a lot at the moment, it's not that they're necessarily um, creating uh, films which are getting much more at subjectivity or revealing subjectivity more through docudrama and through um, a, a much less... Um, analytical approach but perhaps they're creating some kind of safe zone for theatricality you know in some senses this idea of recuperating or absorbing back into the main mainstream culture um the subjective the particular the personal mm. that, mm -hmm. that, we're, that resonates with us when we watch a film and i wonder whether in fact you're you're talking about being slightly bored in the sense of this Brechtian approach which has gone on since the 90s and before and being very interested in these believable fictions that Cleo Barnard and Gillian Waring and these artists are, are um, the films that they're making at the moment. But I wonder whether t they could possibly be understood as, as sort of m marginalising our relationships with a wider social context um, and that... Perhaps I, I was also interested in the kind of connection between that and um, an agenda in the British Art Show, which I think is, is about recuperation and this rather prescient issue of recuperation at the moment of politics being reabsorbed back in, into the mainstream. When you say absorbed, um, do you mean like made ineffectual? Yes, and is sort it? of yeah. neutralised. And uh, you're talking about the shift from the Brechtian to believable fictions as um, perhaps as though these believable fictions are more meaningful, more particular, um, more meaningful for the viewer to associate with. But I wonder whether being shocked out of one's passivity it's not necessarily more, it is, is perhaps more subjective, more meaningful. And, and, and perhaps the believable fictions that, you know, Gillian Waring, Cleo Barnard and others are producing today, all these docudramas, um, which involve participation um, and narrative, are or actually some kind of neutralisation of um, subjectivity in the same way that I think perhaps the British Art Show was, was neutralising the subjectivity of the individual artists' voices and the audience's responses let's, to let's the Let's come on to the British Art Show in a little bit. No, Maria, Maria, no, well, like, come, come back on, because well, that's interesting, what Zoe's saying. Um, I guess, well, I haven't seen the British Art Show. And no, no, don't, I, no, don't worry about that. Um, yeah, I mean, well, I've just got one thing to say, though, generally, <coughs> and which is that... Um, I'm not really sure exactly uh, about this idea about recuperating um, subjectivity into the mainstream, but certainly um, something that I'm not talking about in, in my feature, but I do think is uh, certainly happening today, is that there is this... Um, a lot of artists are almost like citing um, historical events in their work as if to give it a kind of a... Um, a believability or some kind of political agency that it otherwise wouldn't have, um, which I do think is problematic. So perhaps, uh, I don't know, maybe mm. that's what you're that sort of referring to. referred to as gesture politics, I don't know. It, or, well, or it's a kind of like, the, you know, I mean, uh, well, I, I came across this, uh, I mean, it's slightly 
to the side, but I am going to come back to the point that I want to make about my um, approach in my feature. But it's it's as if, oh, let's make a film about... Um, well, for instance, okay, in the in your review in the British Art Show, uh, you talk quite a bit about um, uh, Duncan Campbell's film Bernadette, which I have seen um, at Hotel. And, you know, I found that a very engaging film, but I was also troubled by... Um, the uh, citing of history in that film as well, because obviously this, you know, Bernadette Devlin is, you know, a very charismatic and troubled figure um, and stands for a very troubled history. Um, so it's almost like there's, I think there's a danger in some uh, work. And it's not just, uh, there's a lot of film, uh, but it's not just film um, in sort of archival, these kind of installations, sort of disseminations of history and reenactments and things that there, I think there's a danger that um, you can feel that you're political if you're, um, yeah, it's, if you like gesturing, quoting political Events, events yeah. uh, or you know characters in your work, um, and it's almost like that you know that if if one could say that there's a certain uh, there's well it's wholly different now but if there's a kind of a void in um, political agency today, uh, this is one of the ways in which it's being filled perhaps in art. Um, so that was one idea, but then in terms of what I'm the only thing that I'd say in relation to my feature is that. I mean, I'm just really talking about um, two feature films, uh, one by Clio Bernard, one by Gillian Waring, and I'm also looking at some work in the um, exhibition on spooling that I think it might be still on in Manchester at the Corner House. Um, and, I mean, the works that I'm looking at are very different, but they're not really, uh, you know, citing politics in that kind of way. And in terms of passivity... Um, you see, I don't think that looking or engaging with um, with a moving image work is is a passive act, even if it's like, um, you know, I mean, I mentioned Hitchcock in my article. Um, like, you know, it's a very... It, the whole thing about spectatorship is that it's a very active uh, kind of thing. And I guess I've been quite influenced a lot by more recent ideas in film theory about, um, you know, even though I'm... Uh, I'm still quite old-fashioned in many ways, and I like the um, earlier ideas about narrative and um, and things, but and and uh, affect. But ideas about um, you know, there's a kind of one is making cognitive decisions, and uh, one is evaluating material constantly when you're watching um, um, a film in the same way as you know reading a novel these things they they give us uh you know spaces in which we can test out different kinds of experiences and identifications that uh, would not be available to us otherwise there are kind of i just see these spaces as being important imaginative spaces really and that this is an active um engagement that can't be quantified that's why and i think that's what 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 makes it interesting is that in the way that um i think a lot of well, obviously it's more complex, but in the 70s, a lot of the ideas about spectatorship and looking at films, um, there was this attempt, I think, to quantify uh, what a viewer's response might be. Um, so I just find these kinds of hybrid docudrama um, uh, narratives that are influenced by uh, cinema and television um, 
and literature. Uh, they have a, they're kind of like visual literature in some ways that they um, they give us you know room for exploring um, active engagements really that can't be quantified and can't be predicted in that self-reflexive uh, mode of operation. Just just from for me and, and maybe Alice, I don't know, but cinema when, when you're in a cinema, it's quite a different experience to just walking into a gallery. And Maybe not getting in at the beginning of something, you know, um, or in the cinema you're sort of in the dark and then you, you almost forget where you are. I mean, that's my understanding of the difference between a gallery experience. One, one was closer to a dream where you're sort of so it's like, and you mentioned Hitch Hitchcock, but everything that everything that may make the, you question the slip, you know, the, the, or be aware of the film structure is within the film very much. And mm. with um, some things you see in galleries, it's quite often. This, much more open that you're, you're you, know, you might see the projector and you hear the projector or you might come in halfway through that that, that seems to me to be quite a big difference between like the cinematic approach by an artist would mm. be quite a different one to to to, to making a film for a gallery do, mm. do you um uh, yes um well i think that the, the this idea about the gallery and you know the projector, the uh, the screen, the idea of moving in and out of the uh, space whenever you like. Um, I mean, I think that that's why the, this idea of Brechtian was sort of brought into a yeah. lot of the discourse because it was like, um, you know, and and for instance, in I mean, an artist whose work I really like, but for different reasons um, than um, I'm writing about here. But say, for instance, in Tessa Dean's work. Um, you know, th there is, you know, the projector, you're aware of the film strip, and there's this kind of formal materiality. Um, so certainly that goes on. But then what's really interesting in her work is I think that if there is the potential, there's always the possibility that uh, one becomes engaged in the gallery in a quite similar way, to the in cinema. fact, to the cinema. You know, it can happen. It can happen. I wondered if, if you yeah. were thinking that people were moving away and more, that like, people were actually thinking more about the cinematic experience... As makers of art, artists, I mean, I think that's that the implication yeah. I take from your piece, re well, really. Well, I think that the two things. Well, one, the two films that I talk about here, I mean, it was, you know, they were brought about by uh, funding opportunities. So, you know, they were kind of filmmaker. Well, Clio Bernard is an artist filmmaker. Um, and Julian Waring, you know, her, the fund, uh, it was about bringing by the defunct, now defunct, British Film Council, I think um, it's called, but they wanted to bring artists into yeah, uh, cinema. So, so, so that's one thing. Um, is that um, I've lost my point now, but uh, that was going to be one point. The second point is that um, I think a lot of speaking to obviously artists making work for galleries, depending on the kind of thing they're interested in, and a lot of artists are interested in the screen and narrative. Um, I think there's they they are getting tired of you know the you, the attention of the general audience is just going to be you know you walk into whatever gallery yeah I'll sit down and watch it because I'm interested and I'll watch it again maybe but th you know that kind of what do they call it peripatetic spectatorship and a lot of people were celebrating that 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 gave the viewer agency whereas you see I don't think that gives the viewer agency that's just like boredom that's just like shopping you walk around you know it's like yes. being in a department store oh that looks interesting I'm going over there now whereas um you know, the a the agency that I'm interested in is when you're actually paying attention and uh, to do with reception and attention. So what was, I mean, it was absolutely, you know, I mean, certainly it has coloured what I have written, but it was wonderful to be in the uh, cinema 
watching um, both of these films at the British We should say what they're called, festival. shouldn't we, yeah. really? The Clio Bernard film, The Arbour, yes. and Gillian Waring's um, Self Made. Yes. Uh, what was really... It, 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 it was, you know, knowing both of these... Um, artists, I mean, not knowing them personally, but knowing, you know, their work and seeing it before in, in different places. It was fabulous to be in, you know, Leicester Square with uh, a full audience and everybody, you know, we're all watching this um, film with great attention and it was captivating. Yeah. Um, and I think that's very exciting. <laughs> so it's just that shared experience, you know, of yeah, that we're, we're it's all different to a gallery experience, yeah. but it doesn't. And, and obviously, I in mean, the end, it's down to, I presume, how they're different to a film you would see in Leicester Square from Hollywood, which you've which you've an yeah. analysed already, re yeah. really. But yeah. I mean, but so, so the political side of this conversation, obviously, which is still still there. And I understand that you may, you may differ. Well, let's try the British Art Show conversation now. Um, just. We obviously, we can slip back to, to Maria's piece as well during it if we wish to. But um, you, you're talking about the British Art Show, and you actually talk about the curators of the show, or the way it's way it's curated, and actually the the history of the British Art Show itself, which is which even in the name, and and you actually say it's an institution of the state. <laughs> At one well, point, a in a very review. minor one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but it's interesting you describe it in that way. So do do f fill that out a bit for me. Um, well, I was really interested in very many of the works in the show. I think oh, there were some course. fantastic artworks by yes. artists in there. And um, it's very difficult in a short review to yes. to do that justice. And I suppose that really my focus was much more on feeling uncomfortable about the overarching curatorial um, agenda for both the British Art Show and for this particular iteration of it. Um, yes, it's number seven, isn't it? Yes. So, And obviously every British Art Show reflects the particular cultural context that it's that it's produced in and you know both the, the last couple of British art shows have, have um, reflected the way in which we're now um, you know very much a globalized we're all glo uh, uh, global citizens and so that notion of British art show um, it's still got the title is, is obviously very problematic and I I just felt that this particular um, iteration was really reflecting very much on art history and was subsuming the individual artists voices um, and altering one's experience of their works because of all the art historical references that were being made in the project and also this sort of what I think of as a kind of regressive nostalgia for early 20th century modernism. Um, Is it, you mean that and that came out by, by their selection of who they showed or how would, that, how would that come across? Not their selection, I no. think there are some very interesting artists no, no, in, so in the so show. How, how would that come across? That, really that by the, the juxtaposition of... I mean, the, the, the way the it's displayed. Yeah, and the language that's used in, in, in the publication, which is predominantly referencing yes. art historical references, which are perhaps, you know, we um, are interested in. Sure. You know, if you're within the art context, that, 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 you know, I get a lot out of that. But yeah. I can also see that it's regressive because it's actually sort of um, not acknowledging the shift that's happened, not just over the past five years, but the shift over the past 40 years towards monologue, away from monologue of the individual particular artists and towards production being much more about dialogue between artists, curators, audiences, producers. Yeah, you and say social um, process so, yeah, and social, social context, don't you? And the wider social context isn't really acknowledged. And also the kind of digital convergence that's happened um, so, so British Art Show does self-appoint itself as as a yes. as a survey, um, uh, and uh, and yet, however, it really, 
I mean, to reference back um, some of what um, Maria was talking about in terms of the kind of uh, preoccupation, particularly at the moment, and, uh, and that there has been, that Dieter Rolstadt talks about um, this historiographic kind of focus in art, looking back, looking at the archive, um, and looking at history, rather than thinking that history is being made now, in the present, and in the future, and we need to, to sort of create a new a new model and look at new models, yes. rather than constantly looking back. So I just found that rather disconcerting, and that my, whilst I got a lot out of particular works in the show, I found that, um, as a whole, unlike a lot of the international art biennials that, 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 that happen around the world at the moment, which are really about this um, polyvocal voice, and a platform for sharing and dialogue and discussion. The British Art Show really, in this situation... Do you think it can't do it? Do you think because it is the kind of show it is? And I mean, I mean, just a big group show that tours around gallery institutions, that it's no, not, not possible? No, not at all. I mean, it could have been completely different in each context. It could have responded to that whole yeah. shift that's happened. Because it has um, a sort of off-site thing, doesn't it... it? Um, which occurs in other spaces. I don't know whether that's... There's a local response in yeah. each situation, but as far as I understand, there's, there's not so much engagement between the curators and those I local producers yes, who I know that it's very, yeah. very um, yeah. separate. Yeah. But also it's not really acknowledging the whole shift towards context. It's looking very much back to the museum, yeah. the, the model, you know, the existing model of the art institution, rather than acknowledging in any form, um, you know, cr critically the shifts that have taken place towards dialogue and social process. You mentioned one um, piece which is in the window of the main space. Is it, Tom, uh, there's a kind of shop window yeah, display? Yeah, so Matthew Derbyshire's Matthew Derbyshire, um, that's an right. exhibition for modern living. Which, which, which when I saw the show in, in Nottingham, yeah. it was quite surprisingly just yeah. like a shop window with some furniture in it, really. I mean, yeah, I, it didn't actually work. For, I mean, I'm not criticising his art. I mean, I don't know. But just as a way it was positioned in the space and everything, it was it, it was like going into a shop. And I, I, mean, I just turned around and walked away from it again. I, I mean, I suppose if you didn't know... It was know an attempt to, to be contextual. Yeah, wasn't it though? Because it yeah. was in the window, so it was one of one of one of the few, few attempts. Yes, to, exactly. Yeah. But, and, I didn't and I suppose if you didn't know the Nottingham Contemporary, then you could be you could confused, be which is quite yeah. interesting. So it's playful attempt, but sort of looking at our you know everyday consumerism and our our, our implication yeah. in yeah. issues of consumerism. Yeah. But it's a bit like that. that rem it reminds me, however, though, a bit when Maria is talking about you know your self-referentiality within film. Mm. The, it's a kind of tired project in a way and there's this thing about you know that we're consumers I mean okay plod we've we've plodded through this for for a mm. long time now, haven't we and mm. I can I can understand completely the sort of desire to 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 get, uh, as you're saying get out of this institutionalized touring British art show thing and get out of the kind of structuralist film thing it's kind of, uh, and we're trying to find and I think artists are struggling myself with what to do uh, w w you know yeah I think uh, I don't think artists have got the problem well. I think the, the problem with this you know is is that it's the British Art Show. It's not the un-British Art Show. No, it's um, it's been debated that title. I mean, people are. I know there's been qualms about whether to do it again or not. Yes, hasn't yeah. there? People have. But but also what they're doing is they're very much looking. at... I mean, I'm sure the curators would say very clearly what they're interested in is the white cube. Yes, yes. And they're looking mm. at and they're analysing it. But I do think that that's problematic because it's not actually reflecting reflecting what has been happening over the past uh, five. If yeah, which is what the show is supposed years. to do. Which is what the show is supposed to yeah. do, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, we're really near the end of the show, and, and I think we've covered it. We've brought things together and tried to do it as best we can. It's the whole. And by the way, the, the British Art Show is called In the Days of the Comet, which sounds very open, doesn't it? And there's all of space being brought in, but it's uh, it's a different kind of space. 
It's well, it's referring to H. G. Wells' book in the day in the days of the comet. But I mean, H. G. Wells was was advocating a kind of um, liberal fascism. Yes, which is you know, <laughs> whereby liberal <laughs> utopia would be achieved by an authoritarian elite. So yeah, so it's very interesting that they chose to <laughs> to do that. But it'd be interesting to hear what you know they they had to say about yes, that. Yes, yes. Well, listen, I, I, thank you both very much for coming in. That's M- Maria Walsh and Zoe Shim, and I've got a title program. It's only half an hour long, but really appreciate you coming in. And, battling with your texts so kindly. And, uh, Thanks very much. Yeah. And hope this has enjoyed great. it. Very quick one, 30% discount on all subs if you mention Resonance Radio. No, not radio, Resonance <laughs> FM, 104.4 FM. I've got it right, finally. <laughs> <laughs> Just email subs at artmonthly.co.uk and say you've listened to the programme, we want your discount. Thanks so much. Bye.